0: Stand by for a Patreon exclusive.
1: Come watch me. Well, they're going to be able to listen to you, but we're definitely not going to do it live because this is supposed to be for our Patreon. For what? For Patreon. What the hell is Patreon? It's where people pay me money. Oh, are we on? Yeah, I got the thumbs up. We're on. This is Alex Sturgeon with the Hobbytown Hobbyplex. And uh, with me today, I thought I'd do something really fun and cool. Uh, is my dad for a Father's Day Patreon special? I drove all the way to Jefferson, Iowa today, picked my dad up, brought him here. We're going to talk for a while. Then uh, then we might go get something to eat, and then we're going to go home. and Or I'm going to go drop him off back at home, and then I'm going to come back. And then Emerson actually wants to go fishing tonight. But I don't know if I would feel like doing that or not.
0: Sure you will. It's fishing. I know. Just um, make sure you have your boots on.
1: Yeah, we wanted to get these uh, mud boot things because we've been just so much creek fishing, and to get to certain spots, you got to kind of almost walk through water sometimes. And we've been doing it with our tennis shoes, and mom gets really mad, especially because that mud kind of stinky. Yeah, so she doesn't like it in the garage. So. I could assume. Yeah. So I want to start with um, with just a little bit of your back history and stuff like that. So I I, I sent you a list of questions. Right. And I had you go over stuff just so you could try
0: to remember some stuff. Keep it in mind for the listeners that I'm old. So how old are you? I am 70. 70 years old. That's what I thought you
1: were. I was, I, and Tanner had asked me that today. Uh, Emerson's cousin.
0: I have an old gentleman that I drive around have for about 12 years now. So I used to say that I drive an old guy around. Well, now that I'm an old guy, I have to say, I drive around a guy older than me. Yeah. So you're John Sturgeon. That's true. You're my dad. That's also true. Uh, you're
1: you're the father of two kids, so you're me and my sister. Yep. We're in my sister's podcasting studio. Um, Which I'm very impressed with, by the way. Right? This is the first time you've been here, haven't you? Yes. It? Yeah. Yeah. She did, she's got a really good thing going here. It's really cool. I like it. Okay, so tell me about yourself. Okay. Tell the world about yourself.
0: Well, I'm the youngest of six. Born and raised in uh, Sioux City, Iowa. My dad, well, my dad had many professions, but while I was growing up, basically he was a packing house worker, as was my mother, and then when the packing house is pretty much all closed in Sioux City, then we, he started doing other things. Right.
1: I remember your dad, your grandpa, Um, he died in the mid-80s. Yeah.
0: Was it dementia? Well- that's open to discussion. Okay. Uh, form a dimension. But in his later years, uh dad's choice of food was basically, you know, none. Mm. You took a great big ball of hamburger and you flattened it out a little bit and you put it in a skillet and you went one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, flipped it over, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, and put it on the plate, and you ate that with mashed potatoes and and uh, mushroom gravy Mm. and that was his meal and if you went one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve thirteen fourteen fifteen it was overcooked so in later years especially when I got like a computer Mm
1: -hmm.
0: I looked up and if you ever looked at the human mad cow yeah the human portion of mad cow disease yeah which was very prevalent at that time if you look at the symptoms That's the word I was looking for. Symptoms. The symptoms of that. Yeah. It's basically exactly what dad had. Huh. So in my humble opinion, I think that's what finally killed him. The medical field keeps making great advances. But at that time, I think that's what they wrote it off of.
1: I also remember uh, grandpa taking walks and stuff like that.
0: Yeah. Dad was always an active man. Up until the day he got sick, he garden two city lots with a push cultivator well into his 70s right whatever he had he had one eye put out in a boxing ring he used to be in his younger years he was a a prize fighter not you know stuff that make tv now Mm -hmm. but sort of a glorified tough man contest as we know him now Mm -hmm. but back then in the 20s and going into the 30s well the 20s for him he was born in 1906. It was a way of earning money, sure. And he got his one eye put out in the ring. Huh. So he had one eye, and then the disease took the other eye. When we lived on Lakeport Road in Sioux City, he would go out walking, and you would go with him mm-hmm. and start chattering. You'd walk in front of him mm-hmm. and start chattering. But that's how he knew what direction to go. Is he would follow your chatter, right? And you guys, it was a three-block. Cut off, kind of cul-de-sac thing, mm-hmm. and you would walk down and back and down and back in the three blocks.
1: Yeah, I do remember that. There was a time too where, just just to swing it into what I do for a living now, is there was like a push cart. remember those, like the cars that you could pedal? Oh, the the big wheels. Not a big wheel. I had those too. Oh, me, like I blame it. But this was before that. This these were metal, and I rem- I think it was Clark Street. Yeah, like this is a very very early memory of mine. But I remember... Uh, it wouldn't have been Clark Street. No?
0: No. Was I not born yet? I don't know if you were what? born yet, but there would have been no pushcart on that hill.
1: Well, that's just what I'm getting at. I remember going down a hill, a big hill on one of these push carts and Grandpa yelling at me.
0: And that was probably Clark Street. <laughs> you know, we were in Ottawa at the time, so there, you might have been just staying oh, with okay. them for a couple of days at a holiday or something. I know the big wheels in Omaha, we lived on uh, 32nd Poppleton and on a hill. Yeah, And there was like three or four, five little kids your age. Mm -hmm. And the parents all had a meeting one time and enforced a general rule for big wheels. Yeah. Because you guys would get on top of this hill and go down the hill on the big wheels and take your feet off the pedals. Yep. And be going down so fast that you had to crank it to keep from going out in the street. And as a group, we didn't think that was the best idea. So we installed a rule for everybody, enforced by all parents, that you had to keep your foot on the pedals. Yeah.
1: Funny story, in the movie All About Schmidt, uh, it was filmed in my friend's house uh, across the street. It was, it was in, in the movie, it's, they say that it takes place in Denver, but it's not. They filmed it on 32nd and Poppleton. They filmed it in this kid's house across the street. The fireman? Uh, possibly I remember the mom and the dad were still married and the kid, we used to yeah. play on his porch, or whatever. But in the film, you can see the, the dude, uh, played by Jack Nicholson, like scans the area. Cause he's, he doesn't like it. And there's a person that takes a whole bunch of trash and they just throw it right outside the door. That was our house
0: that we lived in. Oh, the duplex. Yeah. Made the movie. Wow. Yeah. I watched that movie basically for that. I'll have to look that up. I never I, I have a select taste in movies. Well, I do too. So I'll have to look that up. Yeah, they taught me how to use a computer so I can actually get on YouTube now.
1: Oh, there you go. You watch me on YouTube? Every once in a while. Nice. So uh, let's go move on. Uh, what did you do for a living? you've had a you've had a lot of different jobs.
0: No, actually. I okay, have, you've had one major job. okay i have I have two things I've done for a living in my life. Okay. I never went to high school. So at 15, I went to work in a Jewish bakery, full-time, and I had five master bakers, European master bakers, three German, an Italian, and a Russian. And they taught me how to do everything completely by hand from scratch and work my way up to that. So I've been a baker. In 1971, I drew 95 in the draft lottery. In the year, there were drafting up to 305 right for the younger people listening to this look it up <laughs> but anyway uh wading through swamps with m16s didn't excite me so i joined the air force took a bypass test for baker missed two questions and in the air force's ultimate wisdom they made this little short fat guy who had been working in a jewish bakery for six years into a security policeman. Law enforcement. I went to law enforcement technical school. Mm. Found out I liked it. So when I got out, I went to college or junior college days, worked nights in a bakery, got my degree in police science, and then spent about six years in civilian law enforcement before I went back into baking full-time. To expand on that, this must have been after you got
1: hurt. Because I remember vaguely this again a very very extremely young probably like a dispatch microphone for yeah. some reason
0: well uh there's a ruin american economics never go into business in a farm-based economy right before a farm recession so after we lost the bakery we moved back to sioux city i went back to work at the bakery but i also went to work part-time back at the police department as a dispatcher oh, okay so that's probably where you remember that because your mother would come get me once in a while. Sure. And you guys had owned a bakery. A couple of them. A couple of them. By that time.
1: Before I was born?
0: We had one before you were born. I was managing one when you were born. And then you were like, one, you know, two or three, four in that area when we bought the bakery in Ottawa. Right. I always worked nights so I could... You know, run a bakery during the day, sleep evenings. Sure. But uh, I would take you to work with me and put you in the kid carrier and just set you on the, on the end of the bakery table while I worked. And you'd sleep while all the machinery were clanging away. Then when we went to Ottawa, especially on Sundays, we'd put you in one of those wind-up swings. Mm-hmm. And we'd put you out in the store where your mother was working on Sunday. And we put you in the in the chair, widen you up and we put a sign on the chair saying complaint department. And that got to be a regular fixture to the point where my niece came to spend the weekend with us and I left you home. Yeah. And you thought I would have like burned down the Lincoln Memorial or something. Right. And we had to actually go get you. There were so many complaining about where's the baby? So where did Mapleton come into play then there? Why we were in Ottawa trying to increase our revenue flow. Yeah. In Monona County at the time, there was Ottawa people and there was Mapleton people, and their paths didn't cross. Okay. So an opportunity came to rent a building in Mapleton at a very reasonable cost. And we set up a bakery outlet in Mapleton. Mm. And we called it Alex's Sweet Treat Shop. Mm. And then we'd haul we, we employed a lady in Ottawa who would load up a station wagon with bakery goods and take it and run. And so we'd have bakery goods and coffee, and she served a light lunch. Huh. See, I didn't
1: know that. I always assumed it was an, it was another actual bakery. I didn't know that. No, it was just, it was just an outlet. outlet. So then didn't you guys operate something in one of the, was it the Sloan Campground? Is that right?
0: Yeah, at the same time. Okay. Again, trying to increase our revenue. See, I took public administration, never took business administration. Sure, yeah. All right? Uh, yeah. You know, for any listeners, they're going, huh? So anyway, yes, we leased this campground for a summer. Not the campground, but the general store in the campground. And again, we'd haul bakery goods down there and sell them to the campers. Mm. And on Sundays, again, we had closed the store in Onawa, the bakery in of the store, on Sunday at that time. But I would go down and run the campground store on Sundays, and I'd take you with me. Hmm. And you would sit on the front porch, which was a beautiful covered porch, mm-hmm. and I would turn the hose water spout on, and you would sit there and play in the water. Yeah, I don't remember that at all. I do. (laughs) (laughs) How did you and mom meet? Well, I was up at the Norfolk Police Department and left there, took the test for both Sioux City Police Department and Woodbury County Sheriff's, made both civil service lists, and they were both hiring that summer. And I was working at a bakery, and it was a very specialized bakery. Mm Mm-hmm. And there was only two people that knew how to do everything in a specialized kosher bakery.
1: Mm
0: Me and another guy. And when Red Owl Bakery closed, he was available, but there was no room for him. So I told the guy who owned the bakery that I would just go ahead and step down. Nate could have my job. And I'll just, as Zenith Radio at the time, would hire anybody that was on their feet and breathing. Sure. So I just went to work at Zenith until the police department hired, which is like three months. Right. And in that three months, that's where I met your mother. So every time we'd have an argument, I'd go tell Nate it was his fault. Right. So mom, mom worked at the Zenith uh, radio. radio. Yeah. And she, did she know how to solder? <laughs> I have. I think that was her job. Quite frankly, I don't remember. That's pretty funny. All right, so then let's
1: move on. Uh, so we got Otwa. So I was born, I believe, while you guys were living in Ottawa, correct?
0: Yeah, you were born in December and I quit the police department in January. And it was a blizzard? Did I get the day get... you were born? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Your mother was three weeks overdue. She waited for the first blizzard. Yep. And was
1: it St. Mary's that I got taken to up? No.
0: There? In Sioux City we had we had three hospitals Saint Joe, Saint Luke's, and Methodist. Oh they were merging
1: Saint Luke's. Saint
0: Luke's, Luke's and Methodist was merged had merged, but they hadn't like started construction on the new medical center. Sure. So they were a block apart. So they put a tunnel between Saint Luke's and Methodist, mm-hmm. and they delivered babies at Saint Luke's and did surgery at Methodist due to complications that I won't take up the time of your listeners for. Yeah. We had to have an emergency cesarean. And so we had to push your mother in her bed. We didn't even bother to take her off. We just unhooked the bed and took off running and had to run that whole block with her Mm. to get her into surgery. And the doctor didn't even charge us. Oh,
1: I think I've seen the bill. I don't know where I saw it. I think Margie might have found it or something. But I think I actually saw the bill, and it was, it was staggering, yeah, well, the difference between a 1978 birth and a 2006 birth.
0: Well, A, we did prepaid. That's right. Yes, I remember that being told. We, that. we had that done, but not for the complications. Yeah, But he didn't charge us for the complications because he had just bought a brand new four-wheel drive pickup truck, and thus was the only one who had got in for either hospital oh. that night. And he told us he made enough money that night delivering babies and doing emergency room work that he paid off his truck. Nice. So he didn't charge us for the complications. Must have been rough. He was a very busy man that night. I bet. So how
1: did we get from Sioux City to Omaha? I, I, have, a, I have a general understanding of yeah. how that
0: worked. but I was working, again, in a kosher Jewish bakery that I was originally <clears throat> trained in. And it was bought in by a gentleman who had a little bakery in South Sioux. Was that Sid? No, Sid's the one who owned the bakery. Okay. Who has since passed. Right. But it was a kosher Jewish bakery. And uh, I'm the only kosher baker trained at that time. Sure. Anyway, to make a very long story short, the gentleman who bought the bakery made a promise to the rabbis and to Sid, and thus they sent letters out to the Jewish population that it would remain kosher. If anybody around here knows what kosher is, they immediately started bringing in blend, shortenings, and other things, which destroyed the kosher rating. I did my best to explain that to him, and about the third time he did, he says, this is my bakery, I'll do what I want to, and I says, glad to hear it, you'll do it without me. Right. And left, and then I took a job in Omaha with Baker Supermarkets. I knew it was for Baker's. Yep. But uh, I wasn't sure of the how the transition. When it was owned by the Baker, still owned by the Baker family. Yes. Yes.
1: Not by Kroger. So yeah.
0: So we moved to uh, we moved to Poppleton Street. You actually lived in the Reddick apartments for a while, I believe. As before, I moved the family down. Of course, I wanted to see how the job was going to go and that sort of thing. Yeah. So yes, I lived in. uh, I believe it was the Reddick apartment house. I had a little efficiency apartment there.
1: Yeah. And then we moved to 32nd Pobleton.
0: Yep. And then we rented a house on Oak, Oak Street. Street near Norris Junior High. Yeah. And then we bought a house on Mason. Yep. And that's
1: where we pretty much lived. Yeah. Uh, until all of us got old, pretty much. I get a kick out of it because you always, you always like to tell people how mechanically not
0: inclined you are. Would you mind to elaborate that for me? I am not mechanically inclined by any stretch of anybody's imagination. I was 48 years old before I learned which end of screwdriver you use. I always thought you beat it in with the heavy end. Right. And I was taught by my father, who also knew absolutely nothing. When my dad got the tools out, all you see going down the street would be asses and elbows with my mother leading the way yelling, run! It's funny because you married a woman who liked to do stuff
1: with power tools, even if she didn't actually know what she was doing.
0: I had your, your mother and I (laughs) were on my 650 Yamaha and it died in the middle of a very busy intersection. I got off and kicked it, which was about the extent of my mechanical knowledge. Mm -hmm. Your mother, God bless her, gets off, flips up the seat that I had no idea the seat flipped up, grabbed the two kit that was under there, which I had absolutely no idea was there, bent down. Ching, bum, 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 ching, boom. Motorcycle started. She put the tubes back in. Shut the thing. We got back on. Drove out of the intersection. The other cars were like honk, honk, yeah. Because mom rode a bike too. Your mother had a one twenty five Yamaha dirt bike when I met her. Right,
1: and I because I remember uh, riding on that in the front. No, no, I did. Okay, well now it was it was was at uh, it was on Lakeport. Oh yeah, not with me, you didn't. Yeah, I remember that. You might uh, have with your mother, but you. I remember. Th- I remember your bike too, but I also remember yeah. riding on the uh, on the Yamaha.
0: Well, my bike was bigger, and there's more room for
1: well, you. Yeah, there was. <laughs> but yeah, you might, maybe you didn't know that. I don't know. I always thought that that was kind of a, a interesting juxtapose because mom, mom liked to have tools and do stuff, but sometimes she didn't necessarily know how. To get done what she wanted to do, and I wouldn't know the difference between right and one so or like like you know she built this porch in the back of of the I believe
0: it was called a deck a deck yeah sorry she built a deck in the this back is, of this this is uh, I'll throw in here this is after we separated that's
1: true yeah but but uh, I mean it took her a while but she sort of figured it out and then you know they had to they had to like cut in a door and she kind of figured that out too but anyways. I ended up with some of those tools. Like, I've got her uh, miter saw and Dremel, and I saved them.
0: Good for you. Yeah. I remember when Chris sold you that little pickup truck. Yeah. At a very reasonable, Chris was a friend of yours. Yeah. Dad had a small car lot and a mechanic's garage, and they sold you this little pickup truck at a very reasonable rate. Yep. With the understanding that you yourself would put the transmission in. Yeah, that sucked. Yeah, because what they would do, if my memory serves me correctly, is you would work on it after school, and then the dad would go over and inspect your work, and if it wasn't right, he would tear it all back out and wait for you to show up the next day.
1: Yeah, it was uh, It was basically uh, Chris would pretty much point and say, take this out, take this out, take this out, and then we'd do that, and uh, I mean, we got it in there. It ended up being about 1500 bucks to get that thing rolling. That was my first car. Eh. I honestly don't remember.
0: Do you remember the time you and I tried to change
1: a tire on the interstate? Oh yeah. To go over this point, one time we had gotten a flat tire going back and forth from Omaha to Des Moines on the way back home and uh we couldn't get the tire off. We couldn't get the the hubcap off.
0: We well, uh, to be exact, we did not realize it was a hubcap. Right. Yeah. I took the wrench keeping in mind that I don't change tires. Yeah. I took the the four you know prong uh, tire wrench out that should take the lug nuts yeah. off, yeah, and it wouldn't fit, and that was the problem. Yeah. Well, when we finally called a guy, you know, called the roadside service, mm-hmm. and they got there and he flipped the hubcap off, and I'm like, oh, yeah.
1: It's funny because I've changed a few tires now, My For some reason, my Nissan truck last year, maybe it was two years ago now kept kept blowing out like like left rears and so i kept having to use my spare and change it but the first time that I ever had to change a tire on my own was a gm my old gmc truck and it had aluminum wheels and i couldn't get that stupid tire the rim off the the uh the hub and it's because aluminum and steel something happens when they rub together for too long and they like joined a little bit and i just was being a pussy about it like i just i was too afraid to hurt the truck when when the guy when the roadside assistance guy came he had like a mallet and he hit that thing about as hard as he could and it made the tire come loose and i'm sitting there going well i could have done that
0: that's why god gave us AAA. right yeah
1: do you remember anything about when i first got into rc well
0: you always had these little remote control cars right but we spent a, a short time in kansas and we rented an acreage. I worked in Topeka. And there was a small town outside of Topeka where the guy had a track. And what he did is he bought an old abandoned grocery store building. Yep. Knocked a hole in the wall. Went in with a front-end loader and built a dirt track. And we started going down there. Mm-hmm. And that was the, you were like probably 7, 8, well, it nine was, at the let's time. Well,
1: it was. Let's ni- see. It would have been 91, 92. So I think I would have been. Yeah. I would have been like 12. That was Scranton RC Raceway. All right. And uh, I, I mean, I still remember the name of it, but, but I, we had to go down there every Saturday. Yep. That's, you know, once, once we got the car. But here's the thing. In the late 80s, I had uh, my friend Chris Catlett. He's the one that got me turned on to it. After I saw the Punky Brewster episode, there's, a, there's an episode of Punky Brewster where she races RC cars. And I remember watching that episode and getting all jazzed up about RC cars. So I went and got an RC car action from the, the total station down on 42nd before it got turned into the UNMC stuff a long time ago. All right. So I took that, and I found out that my buddy Chris had one of these RC cars. And he lived down the street, and he got it out for me one day and, like, drove it around. I'm like, oh, my God, I want one of these for Christmas. So it took two Christmases before I finally got an RC car, and I'm not complaining about that because I think the, the year prior that I got a Nintendo. So whatever. It was one of the, you know, one of the two or whatever. But mom had, taken, had surprised me and taken me to Beller Hobbies and had bought me a car. And it's weird because they, they just released a new car and it's a, it's a miniature model basically of, of the original. And I remember seeing the original on the shelf and wanting that one. And then I saw another car that I also wanted. It was like a race car, race car. And the guy actually talked mom out of getting those two for me and got me this Tamiya car instead because it was supposed to be more of a beginner car. It took us a while to get all the components for that. And then when we moved to Kansas, we kind of did the same thing. So you and mom had gotten me the kit, uh, Team Losi JRX Pro, in October, almost as like a, a consolation prize for moving from Omaha to Kansas is what I think of it.
0: Well, actually, you did very well in Kansas. No, I did. I liked,
1: I liked going there. We, there was a lot of good, uh, like baseball. I did really good at baseball down there. Yeah, you, I, pitched, you pitched a no-hitter. I did. I enjoyed where we lived because uh, we had, even though we were renting it, I had full access to all the land. And we had a pond that we could fish at, and it was well-stocked. I mean, that was
0: always a blast. Remember when uh, you and Aaron decided to spend the night at the pond? Uh, I think it was Mike. I don't think Aaron
1: ever came down there, but Mike across the street was well, my buddy at the time.
0: The the little acreage we rented was right. A, we had a whole bunch of, you know, we had woods and field and this pond, but across the road from us was a nature preserve. Yeah. So you guys decided to pitch a tent by this they call it a pond i call it a small lake yeah but anyway you guys decided to the you know pitch a tent and stay there and about one o'clock in the morning i heard a door crashing open feet running in because it didn't dawn on you that different elements of wildlife yeah would come down there to a feed and b drink and if i remember right it was a pack of coyotes that finally got you freaked yeah
1: it was coyotes it was crazy, and it was a good thing we didn't have our dog with us because that, that would have been – that could have been bad because we had Jerry, but we left her at home. That was our
0: black lab. Well, you had Jerry and the bulldog.
1: And the bulldog. Bulldogs never went out there, though.
0: Well, not – Not, not at, at night. At first, he did. Yeah. We had an English bulldog and a black lad that we got out of a animal shelter, and a veterinarian said she was, you know, a full blood, mm-hmm. but she had no papers. But – when we moved down there and took our first trip to the pond, Jerry, the black lab, went and jumped in the water. Yeah, she did. I remember that. <laughs> Alice, the English bulldog. I can't swim. Who thought she was a black lab, went and jumped in the water and, of course, immediately sunk. Yeah. And that was a 500-hour dog at that <laughs> yeah. time. So Alex then had to jump into the water and get the 500 bulldog out. Yeah, Bulldogs are 4500 bucks now. Uh, I don't even want to hear it. Yeah. But anyway, after about three trips, we decided we'd leave Alice home and take Jerry. Yeah.
1: Yeah, there was a lot of good stuff down there. But just the RC car came from 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 that, knowing – and plus, we had scouted it out. There was an indoor track, and I actually think it's D&Me Hobbies. I think It's still there, I believe. I don't think they've closed. But they were downtown, and I remember Mom not liking it because – that was back when they still allowed smoking indoors. Yeah. And the whole place downstairs was just filled with cigarette smoke. Yeah. And then uh, there was, I believe, S&M or S&K Hobbies, something like that. And that's where we got the rest of our components. It took, it took a Christmas and then another, like another paycheck or two or something like that to get me everything that I needed to actually race at Scranton yeah. RC Raceway.
0: Unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on how you want to look at it, I was a bakery director for a chain of stores. James Bowersfields. Yes. And was very, very busy. Yes. So a lot of that stuff your mother took care of, and I have no memory of it, because when I did finally get home, I usually walked in the door, found a chair, and collapsed. Yeah. So, yeah, but part of our Saturdays
1: uh, would always be sometimes stopping by to where you were working and then taking me to Scranton Raceway, dropping me off. And they had two sessions. They had a morning session and a, and a night session of racing. And I, I would usually do them both. Mm-hmm. And then mom would take Jerry to obedience school, which is an oxymoron.
0: That didn't work out well. <laughs> and,
1: then, and then come back and get me. And that was basically our Saturday. It was a fun-filled full Saturday. And, and keep in mind that Scranton RC Raceway is like 30 miles south of Topeka. Yeah. And we lived 20 miles north of Topeka. So, I mean, it was a jaunt every, almost
0: every single Saturday. And Des Moines to or exactly. Omaha to Des Moines yeah. on, on Friday, and then Des Moines to Omaha on. on. Yep. But if you look at it realistically, when I was a kid, we used to go up to Ashton, Iowa, which is like 65 miles north, 70 miles north of Sioux City mm-hmm. to visit graves. And that was always a major undertaking. Yeah. I mean, we could, you know, supplies and stuff. I traveled, for, as you well know, for almost 30 years and it was nothing for me to jump in my van leave on Monday morning and drive to Dallas. Right. Well, I think that's something that us
1: in the Midwest in general we're kind of used to. It always it was always funny to me whenever I go to like California and I want to go somewhere and it's, you know, it's 45 minutes away by freeway. And they, and they go, "Oh my god, you, why do you want to go there? It's 45 minutes away." And I'm like, "45 minutes away? Like that's not even that bad."
0: I did a trip For uh, the second company I work for, uh, they loaned me to the sales force for a couple of weeks and I had to go out to uh, the New York Long Island area and run stores and drop off some information. Mm -hmm. I made a wrong turn and went across this bridge into New York City proper. And to go to one block up, one block over, and one block back to the bridge took me Close to an hour. Yeah. I called I had a store I was supposed to do in New York City later that week. I called the sales guy and says, Well, you're either gonna order me a cab or a helicopter. Right. Because there ain't no way I'm driving back across that bridge. Yeah. It's weird.
1: I've I have not been to New York proper. I I've, I've been to New Jersey before and the traffic I don't remember it being that bad. But I have been to LA and you know, all the areas around Los Angeles, the Bay Area before. As have I and it's just it's not the same as that compact, close uh, bumper to bumper honk 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 type traffic. It, you can actually get uh, it, somewhere, even though it takes longer.
0: Well, you can get somewhere because they're all doing eighty five miles an hour, <laughs> six lanes across, bumper to bumper. Yeah. How in the world a uh, an officer of the law can stop anybody in that environment is beyond me. Because mm-hmm. you don't even want to sneeze. You calls a at that time. You calls a multi car collision. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt.
1: Do you remember, and it's okay if you don't, but do you remember me handing you uh, the radio to my Jarex Pro in our driveway out there in Valley Falls? No. You don't? Okay. Well, I'm going to tell you that. It probably didn't turn out really well. No, it did, and that's what was crazy about it because I remember we lived in the country, lived on this on this 80-acre farm, and it had a curved driveway. Yes. And then it had a driveway that came up to the house. So the curved driveway was gravel and then went out on the street and I used to practice there. That's where I practiced a lot with my RC car um, before I tried to make it a, a track. But that was actually one of the first places I ever tried to make a racetrack too. was Valley falls in, in where the horses were kept at when the horses were gone. Yeah. And I, I tried to go out there and do that.
0: That's called a pasture
1: a pasture. No, it wasn't the pasture. It was the pen. All right. It was like a pen. Anyways, I remember handing you the radio and you driving the shit out of that thing. And I thought to myself, my dad's pretty good at that. You were. You were really good. You, I I expected you to like like do cookies or spin out or end up in the ditch or whatever, and you drove that thing all the way around and came back and like like did a burnout and came back the other way and I was super impressed. I don't know if you're I I'm I'm impressed too, just listening to it. I you should be. You sure it was
0: me? I'm positive it was you. I
1: remember it and I remember thinking to myself, well, I probably didn't get it from mom then. I probably got something good at this from you. That's what I remember.
0: Well, I took several actual driving courses, you yeah. know, in my like career. Chase people.
1: All right. So we're going back and forth from Omaha, Des Moines. This was like, what do you think? 92? Yeah. In About the 90s. Like, some early 90s. Um, so you're living in Des Moines. I'm living uh, in Omaha. As was your sister. As was my sister. At the time. Was it every weekend? Yeah. So every weekend you got us, we got, mom got us during the week. It was a, it, just in case you guys are wondering out, there it was an amicable, split nothing crazy it was actually pretty normal
0: yeah it felt normal to me okay? i would i would go get you every friday and take you back every sunday different people would say to me well why don't you have her meet you halfway i said if you can explain why i'd want the mother of my children and my children on an interstate highway at night yeah. by themselves explain that to my satisfaction and we'll talk about it nobody yeah. could That's why I did it. Plus, I drove a company car.
1: Yeah, he drove a company car, so that helped. Des Moines was was interesting because there's been periods of of my life where I've gotten away. I had gotten away from racing RC cars. And so for a little while there, I wasn't. Like, uh, it was just not something because Omaha, I didn't. When we came back, Rockbrook was basically gone, I believe. And that's where we tried to race before we moved. And then. Maybe Rockbrook closed right after we came back. Maybe it was that summer. Because didn't we sell them a bulldog?
0: That would have been your mother selling the bulldog. Right. She got custody of the bulldog. That was my Christmas present.
1: That's right. Okay, so, yes. So, Rockbrook closed after we came back, but I think it was that year. (laughs) It was devastating for me because I remember we sold the owners of that hobby town, Rockbrook, a bulldog, and I brokered the deal. I was like, all right, it's this much money. Plus you got to give me a Magnum junior radio. And so I, so we made that work. And then like three weeks later they were gone. And I thought, holy shit, it's my fault. Like I, for a while, that's what I thought. Cause I was so young. I didn't know any better. I was like, they couldn't afford this bulldog and they really couldn't afford it. And now they're closed. And I thought it was my fault. Later on, I realized what actually happened. But at the time, that's what I, that's what I thought, you know? But anyways, uh, so we, had, we were going back and forth, and for a little while, I wasn't really into racing our race RC that often because Omaha didn't have a track. Then we discovered Exarbon Raceway, and then we discovered Marble's Hobby Supply in Des Moines. And I think, I think that was something that you and I could do together when we were there.
0: Yeah. Uh, my, my participation in it was driving you there, yeah, cheering you on, and getting my credit card out when he wrecked the car. Or when I needed tires. Yeah, well, same difference. Yeah. Watch
1: and pay is what I call Watch it. Watch and pay, yeah. And then we found out that Hobby Haven had a track, and they raced on the following day. So I think it was Marvel's on Saturday and Hobby Haven on Sunday. So for a little while there, I could race both days if you were up to it. Or if you had plans for something, we'd go do that. But I know a lot of times it would mean me racing at least at Marvel's yeah. during that time. Do you remember the antenna incident at all no
0: i i I don't i remember that i i was a lot younger and more excitable in those days right and rather protective of my children and these these were you know your peers both because one thing about i always enjoyed about rc racing is you get up on a stand to race and there'll be a 70 year old guy and an eight year old kid racing each other right So I was always on the best behavior. So I don't remember this particular incident. I do remember an incident where some kid yelled at you because you drove your car into where you weren't supposed to. And, you know, I said, well, you know, calm down. And then the dad had words from us and I had words for him.
1: In the history of telling people to calm down, that rarely ever actually works to calm anybody down.
0: Uh, well, d- no, it depends on how
1: you say it. True. That's true. So I believe it was the Iowa State Fair rainout race. So we had gone to the Iowa State Fair race one year, and it was super hot. That's when I got bit on the tongue by a bee. It's the first time I ever got stung by a bee. I finished in like the F main of, of sportsman's stock truck, like terrible, you know, whatever. And then we had signed up to go back the following year. We... And it got rained out. And uh, they, they were going to have the makeup race at Marble's Hobby Supply. And I remember being up on the stand. And I was a wanderer because I had this JRX Pro. And it was loose, fluffy dirt. And you had to, like, it wouldn't turn. And so my natural thing would be to take my radio and bend it to the side. And, like, try to, like, will this car to turn through the corners. Instead of just fixing the car to make it turn like I would now, right? And this antenna would float in front of the guy next to me. And the guy said that if that antenna gets in my face again, I'm going to snap it in half. And I'm like, oh crap. Okay. So then like the following race, you standing beside me again and I'm up there and I'm, I remember they had this crossover and he came under the crossover and the car wouldn't turn. And I turned my radio to the side and I go, guy goes, I told you. And he takes my antenna and he snaps it in half. And then you were watching down on the thing and you saw it and you were like, I beg your pardon. <laughs> Like, had words with the guy, and the guy ended up going in and buying me an
0: antenna. As I say, it all depends on how the words are expressed. Right. As I, and again, as I say, A, I was a lot younger, B, in a hell of a lot better shape. Right. And C, was a little more excitable, especially when it came to my children. So I probably strongly suggested to the gentleman that he might want to do that.
1: Yeah. I do. I just remember that, and I remember being like, yeah, that's my dad. Don't screw with my dad. <laughs> <laughs> to, to go a little deep here, can you explain your philosophy of, of being with Margie and I every, you know, every weekend during that time, how important that was? I mean, what that meant?
0: Well, it was very important to me, as you mentioned earlier, your, your mother and I, although separated, I mean, divorced and having our own, you know, interest. Both of us had interests in our kids and had a united front. So I traveled for a living for like 30 years and was traveling for a living at that time. Mm -hmm. So when I was home, when I get home, which was pretty much every weekend at that time, I would, again, stop either on my way home, depends on where I was at, or once I got home, I get right back in the van and drive to Omaha, pick you guys up, bring you to Des Moines and, uh, you know, we'd all have activities, mm-hmm. like you're racing and, you know. We went fishing sometimes. Fishings, so yeah. We did different things. Yeah. And artists hung out at the apartment. So it was a nice apartment. Yep. It was in the middle of a war zone, but it was a nice apartment. Yeah. So, yeah, that was, you know, really important to me. And yeah, it was important to your mother because then she got a little me time also. Right.
1: Yeah. That continued all the way through junior
0: high, high school. Yeah. You know. Yeah, When Margie got to the point where she was going to be in junior high, we made the collective decision that she wasn't going to go to junior high and, and high school in Omaha. Hmm. And so at that time, I had remarried and had a house with a whole bunch of bedrooms in Perry, and she came to live with us right, for the purpose of going to school.
1: And I spent a couple summers... With you and and uh, at the old house, at yeah, the, at the old house in Perry. At the time, there was tracks all over the place for RC car stuff. It was Hobby Haven Guthrie Center had a had a track in this dude's backyard yeah. that I could go to.
0: Yeah, again, I was. Pretty occupied at the time, so sure. I'll certainly take your word for it.
1: Yeah, but even then, uh, well, you could
0: drive by then, could you
1: not? No, but Gina would sometimes take yeah. me. You, when you were home, you would take me to Hobby Haven, obviously, because that was usually on the weekend. Um, but it was kind of like a home base for all these different activities. You know, the river wasn't too far away, so I spent a lot of time fishing.
0: Yes. Would you like to explain your introduction to river fishing, or shall I?
1: Uh, no, go for it. You're. That's why I got here.
0: Alex at the time was very much into fishing, but he would do lake fishing. Where I was born and raised in Sioux City, and although I never ate fish, my father wouldn't allow it in the house, I would go fishing with my brothers time to time in the river. So I told him river fishing was much better than lake fishing. And of course, you had a counterpoint to that because you had this whole box of these lures that, you know, sing and dance did your taxes for you and all this sort of thing. <laughs> so I took you and it was Aaron, by the way, this, this time, time it was Aaron for sure. Yeah. I took you two down where we we're going to go fishing at the raccoon river. So I took you down to the one bridge that had a really good fishing underneath it and around it. We unpacked everything and, and you were going, Oh boy, we'll, we'll go down here and set up. I said, okay. And you guys did that. And I got in the car, put it in gear and drove away. That was in the morning about 10 o'clock, and then I went to get you about 5 o'clock because you were going to river fish. Yeah. And when I came back to get you, you guys were all jumping up and down and screaming and yelling because you had a whole string of catfish and you had some carp and other things that you had, but big fish that you Mm -hmm. had caught out of the river. And then so from that time on, you enjoyed river fishing. You know, that's, uh, that's actually one of those spots I'd like to take Emerson.
1: Because uh, we we had planned on maybe this summer, sometime this summer, using my other vacation, going to Springbrook, mm-hmm. camping there, and using that as kind of like a base camp. And I was going to go try all these as long as they were, you know, not closed off or anything like that. Trying to go to all these different spots that I knew of, but yeah, no, that was uh, that was a lot of fun. There was a creek that run right by too, and had you could go there anytime you wanted to and catch like little chubs, yeah. and stuff like that. And that was just fun, you know. You wouldn't keep them; they weren't edible. I mean, it probably could be if I was, if we were desperate, but that was just fun to catch those things, you know? And uh, uh, I remember I got Roy a Traxxas Rustler kit back when Traxxas still made kits. So Traxxas is one of our major companies now that we have cars for, right? And I remember him getting that. During that time, I think uh, you had taken me into Hobby Haven and I had gotten this truck that I'd wanted to for a long time and because it was on sale because it was the older model. And I had that to race with for a while. I think up until like ninety six, it would. I'll been. certainly take your word for that. No, it was it was a good time. That was my Christmas present. You paid for half. So job trip. So you traveled for a living. So you went from being a in store bakery guy to a traveling bakery technician, where you taught people basically how to use a company's product.
0: Yes, if if you owned if you own a bakery. If you had a bakery in a supermarket, whatever. If you bought from the company of which I was employed by, then part of that purchase would be my services. If if your bakers needed, you know, instruction, help, troubleshooting, store openings, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. You opened a lot of stores. I remember that. Sometimes you take me with you,
1: during the summertime.
0: Well. Yeah, I would take you down south with me uh, into uh, Springfield, Missouri area. Mm-hmm. I had a hotel that I stayed at all the time when I went down there, so they knew me well. And so, if I could take you with me doing my calls, I would. If I was just you know running in and solving a problem, running back out again, but if I had to work in a bakery for you know like eight hours, then I'd leave you at the hotel. Let them know, you know, that I was leaving and you were in the room. And this is, you know, a long time ago, folks.
1: Yeah, for those, for yeah. those young kids out there, this is, I, this is funny. This one, you can, like, you know, leave kids alone and nobody would call yeah. the cops.
0: But, uh, well, plus the whole, I mean, the housekeeping staff, the clerks, the management, the owner, they all knew me. Yeah. So, you know, they all collectively kept an eye on you. The Springfield
1: one. I remember because the hotel wasn't that far from Bass Pro. Springfield
0: at that time, nothing was far from anything. That's true. Now It's much different now.
1: Yeah, it's a lot different now. We, we drove through it and we went to Branson a couple of years ago. Yeah. I do remember this one time, though. I was at the hotel and I had brought my car with me and I needed a part. The Tamiya cars back then used to have this ceramic resistor. And if you flipped the right way and it broke, obviously the car wouldn't run anymore. And I went to this hobby store, and the hobby store, I found out, because every time that we would go somewhere, I used to take the Yellow Pages and flip right to the H's and find out where all the hobby stores were. And when we had the free time, I'd try to get you to take me to all these hobby stores. So we visited a lot of hobby stores back then, Kansas City, Springfield, I remember, um, I can't remember the town in Arkansas we went to. But uh, this one was right across the street from the hotel. And so I was like, oh, I can go there. And And so I went in there. And I asked for this part, and it's kind of weird because as somebody who works in a hobby store now, I got to be conscious of how people hear me, right? Because I can come across as a dick sometimes when I'm, no. not even, when I'm not even trying to be one. No. No, it's true. I'm shocked. Yeah. So, so I've become, especially over the last you know, five or six years, I've definitely been trying to be, trying to have a better face. Customer friendly is what Customer it's called. Customer friendly. I have a resting douche face and I know that. And I know that sometimes I can sound bad even though I'm not trying to be bad, you know. But I remember this guy, this, this, this hobby shop, I went into it and I said, hey, do you have this part? And I remember this guy specifically telling me, uh, no, we don't have that part because we don't carry Tamaya stuff. It's all pieces of shit. To a little kid, I was like 10 years old. And I just remember that being ingrained in my memory when I started working at a hobby store, you know, back, back in the Lincoln store when I worked there, you know, every once in a while I have to remind myself, Hey, don't be that guy who just told a 10 year old kid that he's got a piece of crap, even if it's not, I guess, you know what I'm saying? Yes. And it's just, it's just it was th- th- that came specifically from that, from that memory, from that point in time, I guess. Yeah.
0: yeah and we had different adventures down there. We had forest fires we had uh, you in the swimming pool with a nice-looking young lady looking after you. When I told you not to get in the pool, yeah. Uh, we we took history uh, uh, visits, like you know, to local battlefields and stuff like that. So it was kind of fun. Wilson's Creek, Wilson Creek Battlefield yeah. was one of yep. them we went to. Yes, We went there. Your your
1: headquarters was in Kansas City, and I remember playing
0: at the time. At yes. the
1: time, I remember playing in the parking lot with my my Falcon.
0: Yeah, that would have had to have been probably 8990.
1: Yeah, very early on. Was that the same job that was in the barco building on I Street here in here in Omaha? Do you know where I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, same company. Okay.
0: We had an office here in, in Omaha. Theoretically I had a desk there. Yeah. So
1: was it the same job or did you change jobs when I finally got old enough to kind of do this on my own. I started to travel and I started using up all your hotel points.
0: Well, I spent two years working for a food broker, approximately 10 years working for a company called Pennant that no longer exists. Mm. And then that was in the 2000s, or excuse me, in the 1990s. Yeah. And then in, in the 2000 to 2010, I worked for a company called Maple Leaf Bakery, which also doesn't exist anymore. Was that? Owned by Walmart, or was that exclusive no. to Walmart? In the 90s, for Pennant, I did uh, hy V stores, uh, Nash & Finch stores, Scribner stores. Hinky Dinkies? Hinky Dinkies, you know, whoever in my assigned area. That's a grocery store that should be around nowadays, Hinky Dinky, just because of the name. Well, at one time, there was 65 of them. Yeah. But uh, in, in 2000s, when I joined Maple Leaf. I was a member of what we call the Maple or the Walmart team. They had their national sales force. And then we had the Walmart team. And I was a member of the Walmart team. Yeah. I always stayed at, uh, Comfort Inns. Well, Comfort Inns. I was Choice. Choice Hotels. Choice Hotels. And they had a travel program at the time where you get points. Mm -hmm. And of course, it didn't take me long. When I quit traveling, I believe I was at a million, my career at my career total with choice was something like a million, 200,000, something like that. Yeah. I, I was what they call a double diamond. I mean, they, they ran out of name. There was me and four other guys in the choice program at the time. And and I got downsized in two ten. So at the time there was four of us yeah. that were, you know, in that range and they kind of ran out of things to call us. You know, like double diamond, double yeah. diamond, platinum, and et cetera. But, yeah, you used up all my points. Yeah, it, wouldn't, it
1: would have been impossible for me to do all the racing I did after graduating high school until you retired, basically, yeah. without your help.
0: Well, the thing is, is you know, the points build up because the thing I liked about choice at the time, I don't know how it is now, but the other, the other programs with Marriott or Holiday Inn – I had to be there Mm -hmm. to use the points. Right. With choice, I did not have to be there. Right. That's why I stuck with the choice properties. That's why you could use them. Other people that I knew could use them, relatives, et cetera. Mm -hmm. You know, you got any points? Sure. You know, it was a nice perk. I mean, I took the family down to Kansas City several times to World of Funds. Took us to Arlington, Virginia. Yeah. We went to... uh, You and Marge and uh, Gretchen, your wife. Yep, and Emerson was six months old. Yeah, and I made the decision, A, that I didn't like flying in the first place, and I certainly wasn't looking forward to flying with a six-year-old. And B, I had all kinds of enterprise points built up also. So I was able to rent a van, pack you all into it. We drove out to Arlington, Virginia, Washington, D.C., Yeah. Stayed in a two bedroom. It was beautiful, two bath,
1: suite. You know that you know that part in *Home Two where Kevin walks into the Plaza Hotel and and the the guy opens up the door and he walks in and he walks in and goes whoa and he goes and hops on the bed a few times and yeah and then that's what it was like going into that Arlington Hotel.
0: Well, it, <laughs> it was there there. It was a choice top of the line hotel. I can't remember. The, I think it was a Clarion. Yeah, I doing this from memory, but it was a top of the line. But I had enough points, yeah, to pay for that hotel room from Monday through Friday. Yeah, the hotel offered a hot breakfast every day, every morning, and a hot supper Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursdays. Yeah, so I mean that saved us Bogo bucks. Yeah, it's beautiful too. Yeah, so we made the whole trip, and the only thing I paid for was the gas. Yep, and we went. Everything to, else was on points. We went to Gettysburg. Yep,
1: I love Gettysburg. Such a, a an amazing place, and I was really glad. Had you had you been there before that? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah, and then and then of course we got to go to Washington D.C. We spent a couple of days going back and forth. We only drove in a few times. The uh, the rest of the time we used the train.
0: Yeah. Well, it wasn't a train. It was a trans. The trans. Yeah. Yeah. And and yeah, that's the way to go. Yeah, for sure. Because you know you don't want to drive in Washington D.C. traffic anymore. You want to drive in. Yeah. I opened a store in Washington D.C. and I was lucky. I had a hotel that was like two blocks away. I.
1: Could not believe how expensive water was back then. Do you remember that? Like just a just a small bottle of water, I remember was like ten bucks. Welcome to Washington D.C. Yes, and and it was think what it is now. Oh, I couldn't even imagine that was two thousand six yeah. two thousand seven, and it was ten bucks for a thing of water. It was insane insanity. It was really hot
0: that weekend too. But that was a very nice perk of my jobs. Yeah, and but I did it intentionally because, like I say, the other travel. Pr- Programs. The only time I would not stay at a choice property is if I couldn't find one. Sure. So I just did a free advertisement for choice properties. There you go.
1: Richard, write us down for free hotel room. Free! Free! The 96 Stock Nats, I went by myself to Fargo, North Dakota. I think that was the first one that you hooked me up with hotel points for because you found out I was going by myself and you wanted me to stay at a nice place. And uh, so that was the first one. And then I think I went back that summer to one of their, the Brian Galt race. So Fargo was the first really far place I'd ever went where I even needed a hotel to wasn't travel that, to.
0: Wasn't that exciting? Boy.
1: I've been to Fargo. <laughs> yeah, there's <laughs> the drive up there from Omaha is straight, except for that one bend around South Sioux City, not South Sioux City, Sioux, uh, City. Sioux Falls. Yeah. Sioux Falls, there's a bend, and then you just go straight. But then you hit that one. That one spot where it dips down and it's kind of cool and they have this overlook, but you're overlooking nothing. It's just this vast nothingness for a while with, with a very straight highway. And then you came back. That was also the first time I ever drove over hundred miles an hour in mom's festiva, which probably wasn't very smart, but I'm still here. So whatever. And so was Festiva. Yeah. No kidding.
0: Uh, I mean, it's not here now. No, obviously. Uh,
1: obviously it's probably that thing. Boy, you would, you would think that's long gone turned into metal recycling
0: well the thing as a mechanic told me because when your mother got her her car her her toyota Mm -hmm. marjorie was supposed to get the festiva (laughs) unfortunately the lessons with marjorie on learning how to drive a stick shift did not go well and i was downsized at the time briefly and so i drove it yeah and as a mechanic told me as long as you put a quart of oil in it a week it would probably keep running forever yeah Unfortunately, the body didn't agree with it. Yeah.
1: I did some dumb stuff in that car.
0: Again, the the points thing
1: really allowed me to kind of get into what I wanted to do because I had gone to the Stock Nats because it was the only, it was the first time anything like that had ever been close. And when I got there and it was the environment and the driving ability of the top guys, it just blew me away. And it's something that I wanted to do. So I made it like a mission to try to get to that point, you know? Yeah, without that help, I, there's no way that I could have gotten anywhere near, I think, the level that I, that I got at at a certain point.
0: It was points well spent. The only time I got upset with you is when you had me make reservations for some guy who was supposed to be flying in oh, for yeah. a race at a week at a Comfort Suites or Boogle Points, and I did. And then he canceled, so you called the hotel to cancel the reservation, which means that, you know, if you had called me and I would have called my number, the points would have went back in the bank. But as it was, they all went down the drain. What
1: was that? I think that was for one of our nationals.
0: Yeah, it was some big race and some big shot was coming in you were supposed to host. But anyway, other than that, I mean, it was points well spent. (laughs)
1: So we tried to. I've I've tried to do things with you, like the trip to Washington D.C. and then I we went to the 2010 Colorado Nationals. Mm-hmm. I think that was right after I got downsized. You got downsized.
0: Yeah, the last time.
1: So we used some of your points to. At first, I'm like, "Hey, let's go camping," uh,
0: and you were like, uh, "My idea of uh, camping is the Holiday and
1: Yeah, let's not do that. Uh, so you got us a, a really nice hotel room up in the mountains, Yeah, actually, in this tiny little, tiny little town that was kind of in between Colorado Springs and the place I wanted to go. I got to go fishing up in the mountains. I didn't catch diddly squat, but at least it was cool looking.
0: On my notes here, it says, what do you remember about this trip? And the only thing that I do remember about it is when we walked through the gate, we were immediately mobbed by three or four guys who goes, Oh, thank God, Alex is here. Go tell him Alex is here in the booth, you know? Yeah. And phew, away you went because they were having trouble with the computer system, and it was a new one that you had already had at your track and knew how to run it, and everybody knew you knew how to run it, so away you went.
1: Yeah. That's happened a few times. Well,
0: and that was impressive in my eye as a proud father. Right. I remember um, the, wind, the
1: wind, what is that called? The windstorms? You remember the windstorms every day at like 3 o'clock? We'd have to hold down the tent. Like the whole team Losey team was in this one area. And about every day, oh, right around two thirty, three o'clock, a giant that. windstorm would come through almost every single day we were know, there. But it's
0: Colorado, there's
1: winds. Yeah, storms. exactly. So we'd all have to sit there and hang on to the thing. I remember I tried to get you to pit for me, and that didn't go very well.
0: Well, A, what do I know about pitting? I know. And B, I would just be taking space. I know. And getting in the way.
1: Yeah. You tried though, I'll give you credit because you tried to start my car with the with the glow I don't know if you remember that or not, yeah. but it you, you couldn't figure out how to do it. Well, you're not the only dad to do that though. We've had several dads at the at the track that have tried that have tried to start a car and like certain things. Uh, we've had one dad try to fuel up the car by putting fuel in the head of the engine instead of the actual yeah. fuel tank. At least you didn't do that.
0: Well, and. <laughs> Another thing I inherited from my father when dealing with mechanics, especially small stuff, is no patience. So, right for your listeners, in my hand I have a solid oak walking stick slash cane. It was a, a trail stick when I was able to do trails, but now it's a cane. Yeah, and it's very heavy. Of which I would have used on something plastic about the third. Otherwise, time you would have used it. on
1: said RC car. Yes. Well, the other thing I remember about that trip, and I'm glad we went, we got to spend a little bit of time together before the race, and then you were there pretty much all day. It was impressive. You were pretty much there the whole time, out in the heat, you know, watching me wrench. I only raced one class at the Nats, so I basically would run two times a day, and then that was that. And the rest of the time, you were helping other people. Sometimes, and sometimes I was, I, I get kind of moody at races sometimes if I'm not doing well. So I tend to like take off and listen to music or something and try to relax my mind a little bit. But remember we, we, uh, I was in one of the mains that ran Saturday night and if you reached a certain main, you could run on Sunday and I bumped up twice on Saturday and I made the Sunday main. So I made the quarterfinals basically on Sunday.
0: Okay. Unfortunately,
1: my but I remember you being very impressed. You were like, yeah. that is very impressive. You kicked yes. ass today. And I was like, oh, I'm yeah. always I'm always impressed. Well, I know. But it was it was uh it was almost motivating honestly to have you there. Good. You know? Cuz then cuz and and we got to stay the extra day. Remember we almost ran out of gas on the way back? Thank God for points. True. Oh, well, you were driving, that's why. I know, but we almost ran out of gas on I-70. Again, you were driving, that's why. <laughs> Uh, so we had the Honda Element. I never ran out of I gas. know, I know. But uh, we had the on my my Honda Element. It didn't get the greatest gas mileage, even though it was a four-cylinder. And I remember going down I-70, and I could just watch this little gas gauge, and it was getting closer and closer to empty. And I was like, son of a bitch, there better be a gas station here pretty soon. And I was like, man, we're going to run out of gas, and this is going to suck. Because back then, uh, the reception, cell phone reception wasn't even that great out in the boonies like that. It would have sucked. <laughs> and then lo and behold, I come over this and there's this little tiny gas station. And uh, I'm like, we're saved. And I pull in and it's ran by some Indian dude out in the middle of nowhere,
0: Kansas, I 70. And it saved us. Cause that would have been, we were close. That's really. why you, before you get on an interstate, you always fill up when you have the opportunity. Yeah. We were very, very close. Do you have a favorite
1: parenting story? from when I was a kid. Oh, not, not necessarily a favorite, but like yeah. what, what's one that you remember? Do you have a, 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 something you'd like to talk about?
0: Well, when you, when we first moved to Omaha, we lived on, on a 32nd Poppleton mm-hmm. and it was on a hill and you and your other young friends on that block, there was like five kids your age on that block. And you would ride your big hills, big wheels, excuse me. Yeah. Down the hill. With your feet off the pedals, thus you were doing like 40 when he hit the bottom where there was a little busier street and you guys would all crank it and spin out down there. And yeah. Et cetera. So all the parents, we all got together and made a group decision that we were going to impose a general rule enforceable by all parents upon the boys that they had to keep their foot on the pedals. Yeah. I had a uh, Knight
1: Rider big wheel. Yes. <laughs> That was cool. It was, especially on a hill. Yeah, especially on a hill. Do you remember me getting in trouble for calling the kid down the street that none of us played with an asshole?
0: No, but that <laughs>
1: probably didn't go over well. No, it didn't go over well at all. I think that was the first time I actually swore, and I remember the kids like egged me on to do it. But I don't know if you remember that or not.
0: Well, maybe no. mom, maybe mom knew about it? No, maybe. but I would assume it I was less than impressed.
1: Yeah, I'm sure you were. Do you remember the one time I decided it'd be a good idea to sell weapons on on Mason Street?
0: No, I remember the the uh, fans. The fan, yep. I used to do fans. Yeah, I used to uh, paint, hand paint Chinese fans on my on my typewriter paper, mm-hmm. which shows you how long ago that was. Yeah, you had a typewriter and and paper for it. Yeah, I came home from work and there were cars lined up up the street and you had this table set up and I mean, you know, you you inherited your mother's art. and entrepreneurial spirit. Art art, you inherit don't it? now you know yeah, what happened. So, sorry, sorry. You, <laughs> you inherited your mother's artistic ability and thus you made very beautiful fans. Yeah. And the work got out in the neighborhood, and people were lining up to buy them. Yeah, I believe they were a quarter apiece. I don't remember. All I remember is that you wanted you wanted a bike, yeah, and I was going to take you to Walmart and buy a Murray, and you wanted a Schwinn. And I said, well, I have X amount of dollars, and I don't remember what it was. That's yeah. not enough for a Schwinn, so you held your hand out. I gave you that money, and then you made money otherwise until you had enough money to buy your Schwinn.
1: Yeah, that's why it was so devastating with that. Schwinn got stolen. That, that was a hard lesson to learn that day too. But uh, yeah, this, the fan thing, I, I did that a few times. I also did, um, I think I did lemonade and stuff like that stands too. But the, the one time I decided it'd be a good idea to sell weapons. So I went around and I made bows and arrows and I made like pointy sticks. And I had them all lined up on that front porch of the Mason Street House. And then I made a sign, weapons for sale. And then you came home from work and you had this sign and you came in the door. You're like, what the hell? This is illegal. You can't sell weapons. Ah," Took all these sticks and like snapped them in half and threw them all away.
0: And you're like, never again. No weapons. Well, that was, and that was back then. (laughs) What do you think if you had done it now, you would have, you would have had this, you would have had the SWAT team. (laughs) Oh, at man.
1: Your door. yeah, that was scary because you were like, legit, like, like, you can't do this. Ah. On that note, just because she's staring at us. Do you remember when Margie uh, sucked down some of your pills and had to get taken to get her stomach pumped across the street at? Uh...
0: Well, yes, I do. Margie uh, found it necessary to decide to take care of her own headache or whatever it was. And she was like four. Yeah, she's pretty young. So, she managed to climb on top of the toilet, then on top of the sink, get into the medicine cabinet, grab one of her mother's prescriptions, and took some. Yeah. And nobody had any idea what to take. And I was going to induce vomiting, but in some medications, you don't do that. Right. And... The university hospital was like three blocks, four blocks away. Yeah, so I took her over there, and they took care, good care of her. Unfortunately, while we were sitting in the waiting room at eleven, twelve o'clock at night, people are walking in with gunshot wounds, Dude. and and you know, yeah, it takes a lot to get. You know, it doesn't bother me. I've been there, done that, uh, type I, thing. But I, I don't, uh, you know, I didn't do it with my children. Yeah. So when the nurse, you know, I showed the nurse the bottle. I don't know how many she took. And the nurse says, well, we'll induce vomiting, but there's really no emergency, no hurry. And I looked around and I says, well, if there's no emergency, no hurry, how about if I take her up to Children's? Yeah. Which was, you know. Farther down the road. And a lot nicer place. I I
1: remember a dude coming in bloody with a knife sticking out of his gut. I mean, that was, I was like. Yes. Again And I was young too. I think I was like nine or ten.
0: Well you were so you were seven years apart, so yeah. you had to be about eleven. Yeah, yeah. But the point is, that stuff doesn't bother me. Right. Been there done that in my career. But again, not with my children at my side. Yeah. But yes, they induced the vomiting and got her all over and it, we got the safety lecture and yeah. home
1: she went. I just remember the, the, you had her, you like were holding her and you're like, Alex, get in the car. And I didn't even know what was going on until halfway to the hospital.
0: Actually, you were upstairs, if I remember correctly, now that you brought it up. I yelled upstairs, get your ass down here. Yeah. Get in the car now.
1: Yes. Yeah, that was pretty crazy.
0: What do you think of your kids? I'm obviously quite proud. You are fortunate that you're able to do now. The same thing you enjoyed at eight years old. Right. Marjorie, on the other hand, is doing what she enjoys and went to college for. You know, there's so much talk today about wasted degrees and everything. Yeah. In your case, you didn't need college. Yeah. In my case, as a baker, I didn't need college. But Marjorie graduated. And had a job the next day. Actually, she had the job before she graduated. Right. Even then, that was a rarity, and today it's almost unheard of. Yeah. So both of you have been very successful in your chosen careers and like what you do. So what is there not to be proud of? Mm. You both are happily married. Mm. You have God has blessed you with terrific spouses. You've been blessed with a, with a grandson. I mean, my grandson. Yeah. And uh, your, your sister doesn't have a maternal bone in her body. <laughs> I do believe, and I'll, I'll look backwards and she can nod, I do believe that even today you have not ever changed a diaper, correct? When we were on that trip to Washington, D.C., Gretchen and I made a pact that Marjorie was going to change a diaper. Right. And we handed Emerson off to her. And Margie would rather eat dirt and play basketball, even though she's tall. Yeah. But she must have learned something because she passed that baby off faster than any basketball player I ever seen.
1: Yeah. When Emerson uh, learned how to use the potty, it was one of the greatest days of my life. Yeah. there's, there's, it, it ranks up there in the probably the top three. And it was like a light switch. Like, one day, I'm cleaning his ass. And the next day, he's using the potty. I don't have to clean
0: his butt anymore. And you say, hallelujah. It was great. Well, I see with you, I never had that problem because... My parents were living with us at the time. My sister was there most of the time. Yeah. She had a teenage daughter. So there's always somebody around. Plus, I was working two jobs. Marjorie, on the other hand, was different. And uh, the responsibility fell pretty much to me. Yeah. And one day she brought a diaper. Oh, look at she's turning red. One day she brought a diaper up, laid it on my lap and says, Daddy, icky. And I'm like, okay, if she can do that, she can learn to use the pot. <laughs> Thus, in the in the I pot. did drop her on her head once in, in the potty uh, training when she
1: was a newborn. So, one quick one: Do you ever watch the my YouTube channel?
0: I have seen it. Yeah, yeah. I don't watch it regularly, but then I I check my news sites and yeah, and a couple uh, other things, and that's about the extent of my computer knowledge. Yeah
1: well i don't know that's about it i think i've steered the ship a little bit that's pretty good for a father's day special don't you think
0: yeah yeah plus i get to go to cracker barrel later
1: oh man cracker
0: barrel i gotta figure out where there's one at i don't even know where there's that in here right we passed one on the way here oh we did yes i'll be happy to point it out to you no i didn't even know unless you know where our maid rights at nope i have no idea i would say go to sioux city and go to coney Island, but me and marjorie found it was closed yep all, the, all those good spots are closed. Yeah. Go figure.
1: Oh, well. All right. Well, there you go. Father's Day special for the uh, Hobbyplex show podcast. I tried to get Will to see if we could get his dad to do one by video, and he's still thinking about it, but he's like, I don't know if my dad will do that or not. So thank you guys uh, for tuning in. This was a lot of fun, kind of special for me uh, to go get my dad and uh, bring him here to get him to talk and uh, talk about stuff talk about our past a little bit again uh, appreciate you guys tuning in Patreon members get to of course first and then we'll we'll release it uh, sometime in the future we'll try to do some more of these special interviews I got some people in mind some in the RC industry some not so tell your friends tell your friends to become Patreon members and uh, get first access to all these fun interviews so there you go I'm going to sign out thanks for uh, Weberize and uh, Richard and Margie to let me in here on our day off we'll see you later